0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, September 25th, we are studying Proverbs chapter 17, verses 7 through 24. The divine wisdom that Solomon teaches is good; it brings great benefit both to a person's body and soul help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor James Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Ottumwa, Iowa. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharp Iron.
1: Thank you. It's good to be back.
0: Pastor Preuss, as we get started this morning in this section of Proverbs, give us just some general introductory material on the book of Proverbs, wisdom literature as a whole. What's going to be helpful for us going into these verses particularly?
1: Well, the uh, this section of Proverbs, doesn't have a uh, it, it isn't one section where it's telling uh, has one subject necessarily. like uh, when you if you look at Proverbs chapter nine and it has the personification of wisdom uh, and uh, proverbs chapter eight and and things like that, or proverbs thirty one where he starts talking about uh, a, a, a godly wife. Uh, so it's not that particular context where you have several verses on the same topic. Uh, although I do think that there's a continuity here in the verses that we're discussing today uh, that is kind of throughout all of Proverbs, but it's contrasting wisdom and folly, and here especially it talks about the benefits of wisdom and the, uh, the, the negatives of folly. So the wisdom that we're talking here about here is the wisdom of the Lord, uh, the gospel, I mean, Knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to open your eyes to what this wisdom is. And then also the law of Christ, of which St. Paul speaks of, uh, is consistent here. So taking on the character of Christ uh, in honesty, humility, patience, love, and peace, uh, and following the the way of the Lord in faith, and uh, faith working uh, through love. Uh, and then the folly would be forsaking the word of the Lord, and this always leads to destruction, uh, but we know it's actually very enticing, because shortcuts seem good. Uh, it, it looks like those who are foolish succeed. So that's really the, the two the contrasting wisdom, godly wisdom, that is known really only through the gospel, and folly, which is you know, really the impulses of your sinful flesh. And, uh, and like many of the Proverbs, or most of the Proverbs, it uses this uh, paralleling. So he'll have a, a phrase, of, so for example, our first one, fine speech is not becoming of a fool, still less is false speech to a prince. So it's kind of like you have the positive and the negative. Like both of these sayings uh, mean very much the same thing. I mean, obviously they're, they're nuanced, he's not just simply repeating himself, um, but the, he, he'll, he has two statements that are paralleled together, uh, and you'll see that throughout the prophets, uh, throughout the Psalms, and in the Proverbs, and uh, it's a monotic device. Uh, this helps you memorize and learn these Proverbs. Which, I mean, it's very much, I mean, that, that's what a, a proverb is. It's, proverbs are meant to be memorized. They're, they're uh, words of, of wisdom, and uh, it's good to get them, them right. And knowing the parallels is important, too. Uh, if you've ever uh, read Don Quixote, uh, and you see here how Sancho Panzo uh, just butchers all these proverbs, and he says things that make absolutely no sense. Uh, Well, if you remember that they're parallels, then you're not going to say nonsense. Uh, It'll kind of keep you on the right track.
0: Let's see how that divine wisdom comes through in today's text. We'll read about half of it for this side of the program. Proverbs 17, beginning at verse 7. Fine speech is not becoming to a fool. Still less is false speech to a prince. A bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he prospers. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion, and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. We'll pause there. That was through verse 15. So, Pastor Price, we'll start there in verse 7 with our conversation. Fine speech is not becoming to a fool. Still less is false speech to a prince. We've seen the theme of how you talk is a big one in the book of Proverbs. Solomon brings it up again, and, and he talks about the way fools should speak, the way princes should speak. Take us into verse 7.
1: Well, this is very much the, the way Jesus speaks. Jesus says, a good tree bears good, tree, a good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit, and you'll know them by their fruits. Uh, so a fool isn't going to speak wisdom. And uh, of the prince, I mean, I think this is uh, metaphorical language for a wise man, a noble man, isn't going to speak lies and foolishness. And, uh, of course, there's that proverb that says that you know, when a when a uh, fool does not open his mouth, he, uh, he even a fool uh, appears wise. So, uh, I mean, there's obviously there is some sound advice there that you know, if you don't have wisdom, you should keep your mouth shut. But I think it also has to do with uh, if you who you who are you going to listen to. Uh, you shouldn't expect wisdom to come from fools, and when you hear. A wise man, you should listen. And if you hear someone speaking folly, and what I mean by folly is words that contradict Scripture, you should recognize that person as a fool. And, and this is uh, something that we Christians deal with a lot. And when we have problems, we talk to people about our problems, and we get advice. People give advice all the time. And uh, you'll get contradictory advice. Well, which advice do you listen to? Do you listen to the advice that seems easiest, or do you listen to the, the advice that uh, actually fits with Scripture? And this is something that, you know, I know pa- pastors deal with a lot. You know, you you give advice to someone based on Scripture, and you are very careful to explain why uh, the, you are giving such and such advice based on Scripture passages, and then that, uh, that person will go and talk to someone else, and they'll... Uh, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's just what he says. And then they'll give different advice without any scriptural basis, and then they follow that advice because it seems easier. Well, that, that person who's given con- uh, advice contrary to Scripture is a fool. So uh, we should recognize that fools don't speak wisdom, and wise people don't speak fools, so that we can recognize what uh, is foolishness and what is not, who are fools and who are wise, and not listen to the fools so that we can listen to
0: true wisdom hmm. I, I think you're you're right that a verse like verse seven is given not only so that we would reflect upon the speech that is coming out of our mouths and recognize am, am i the fool who is speaking or am i speaking as a, a wise person here but also in terms of of who we are listening to am i listening to a fool am i listening to someone who is wise recognizing that the the way that I discern between those two is, as you said, the words of scripture. What has God said about the matter? Let him determine the wisdom. Now, having said that, then I, I'm going to jump us down to verse 10 for a moment because you brought up pastors who would speak the word of God to a person in hopes that they will listen to that wisdom. And as you said, well, that that wisdom does not always go heeded. And I, I think verse verse 10 speaks to that a bit. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So when I find myself speaking the wisdom of Scripture and I'm not listened to, uh, what what does this verse have to say to that? And and broader, more broadly speaking,
1: well, there is a, a point where you're wasting your breath. I know this sounds really hard. We think about the parable that Jesus tells about the um, vine dresser or the the, the laborer. Who, uh, pleads with the Master not to pull up this tree that's not bearing fruit, and then he says, well, let me dig around it and put manure on it and, 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 and take care of it and, and give it more time. And then if it doesn't produce fruit, I'll cut it down. Um, and then Jesus, of course, is the one who does not uh, snuff out a smoldering wick or, or break a bruised reed. Uh, so this isn't to deny that, that we should be patient and kind. You can't just assume that when you speak the word of God, that someone is going to change overnight. But we also have to be careful about throwing pearls before swine and recognize that Jesus did say that if they reject you, wipe the dust off of your, or shake the dust off of your feet and move on. And, uh, you know, there are other people who can hear the, the word of God. And just recognizing when you are being scoffed at and when it is being refused And uh, because there are other opportunities to speak the truth, there are other opportunities to uh, speak the Gospel and confess the Gospel, and also you don't want yourself to be caught up in in bitterness and in just pointless um, arguing. I mean, when a conversation isn't fruitful anymore, when the other person is not uh, willing to participate in good faith, uh, then... It's going to tempt you to also not participate in good faith. And then, like, what's the goal? Are you actually trying to convert the person? Are you trying to bring uh, out reconciliation, or are you just trying to prove that you're right? And uh, and, uh, and then you're just being brought down to the other person's level. So our goal in speaking God's word is to bring forth true repentance, forgiveness of sins, faith reconciliation, and uh, if the other person refuses all these things, uh, then there's really not much else you can do. And um, I mean, obviously you can pray, you can try again at another time. Uh, and I, I, I think when it gets to personal situations, like with your children, things like that, um, I mean, you're obviously going to want to keep on trying, uh, because you have that personal relationship, and if so you kind of have that open door there, but I do think that, uh, you know, we should be careful in what we're doing and do recognize that, you know what, this person is really just wasting my time. He's scoffing, he's ridiculing the word of God. Uh, and there are people who would actually listen mm. and would, uh, and where my words could actually bear fruit. Mm. And, um, so I think we have to be careful when we make those judgments and not just cast people aside. But uh, I do think the Scripture clearly says that there is a time where you have to wipe the dust off your feet and uh, and move on to,
0: to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right, so verse 10 would, would give advice to those who are speaking the Word of God, speaking wisdom to others, and, and to recognize that that wisdom is going to be received by the wise, but there will be fools who will not... Receive it, no matter how kindly you speak it. But to, and I think part of part of what the part of what you're saying, Pastor Poise, is is that we would recognize that it is the matter of the word that has to do the convincing. It, it's not, you know, it, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be my my hundred blows into the fool. If if they're not going to listen to the wisdom then they're not going to listen to the wisdom because of, because of that word, not because of, of me. It's simply because they're rejecting it. Now, having and, and you can feel free to respond to that more, too, if you want. Well,
1: I just want to say, I mean, you can see the humor in it. Right. Uh, if you, even if you were like a slave master and you had a slave, and you know, that were the situation we had where it were, uh, you know socially acceptable to beat a, uh, a slave or something like that. I mean, a hundred blows is absurd. Or like your child, like, you know, you spank your child a few times in the butt. I mean, a hundred blows is, is, is it's ridiculous. It's not obvious. It stops being uh, fruitful way before 100 blows. Mm. So it, it, I think it is illustrating, um, you know, where you really have lost track of what you're actually trying to do. And then you're losing faith in God and pursuing something that doesn't even have to do with, the goal of speaking God's word.
0: Mm, right. Now, of course, the other the other part of this verse would be, as we said with the first one, there's also an element of, of self-examination here. Am I the one who's not listening to the rebuke and a and hundred blows are, are useless on me? We need to examine ourselves in that light as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think this is a thing, too, this is what Proverbs teaches you throughout. It is we should be humble. And when someone criticizes you, the first thing you should do is like, okay, is this true? And to repent and to seek understanding. And sometimes people can't just be cruel, and they're, they're criticizing you, not because they've actually found fault in you, but just simply because they're upset about something they've done. But we as Christians should always be willing to accept rebuke, to consider the, uh, the possibility that we have done wrong. And, uh, and also, when we are suffering, to stop and think, okay, why am I suffering? Is God disciplining me right now? And uh, are there sins that I should repent of? Uh, so uh, and you know is God giving me an opportunity to learn?
0: yeah, that I mean that that's a a very important point to to be able to approach these, recognizing the truth of the proverb, and then listen to the wisdom that is there, taking the opportunity that God gives to repent. And to trust in him anew. Pastor Price, verse verse eleven, you've got some notes here with I'm assuming it's the the Greek Septuagint that has a maybe a a bit of a different angle on this proverb. I'm gonna read it from from the English translation of the ESV and then let you talk a little bit more about it. Verse eleven says, An evil man seeks only rebellion and a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Did is this the Septuagint that you've got here that's got a, a slightly different angle on this proverb?
1: Yes, that's right. Uh so uh yeah, I, I quoted from the Septuagint, partly because my Greek is a whole lot better than my uh Hebrew. <laughs> uh but uh also just because, you know, looking at the different uh Hebrew translations into English, uh they they pretty much say for the most part the same thing. There are few there are a few um variations where it'll say something like, you know, uh, a rebellious man goes to battle or something like that. Um but uh, what I was looking for was, a cruel messenger will be sent to him. Now, there is kind of a rule when you have this passive voice, and you kind of have to use the context, is this a divine passive? So you probably could have figured it out, mm-hmm. with even with this English translation from the Hebrew text, a cruel messenger will be sent against them. Well, who's going to send the cruel messenger? But I put it in the the my notes there, because it says, every bad man arouses quarrels, therefore the Lord sends to him an angel or a messenger without mercy. And that's just kind of my rough translation there. Um, But the the Septuagint answers the question, is this a divine passive? And Septuagint says, absolutely. The Lord is going to send a cruel messenger uh, to the one who seeks rebellion, who seeks a quarrel. And uh, and I, I... and this kind of just points out that, that there is such a thing as divine providence. God is in charge, and uh, if you go out picking a fight, um, be careful because you might be picking a fight with God. Mm. And God exalts those by humbling them. If you go out said if you go out uh, thinking that you're going to cause trouble, well, God will cause trouble on you. And seeking trouble is, a, is always a bad idea. Christians don't seek trouble. Christians don't go out and pick a fight. Uh, now, God is also very merciful. I think it's like the Calvin and Hobbes uh, strip where Calvin is in a bad mood, and he's just like ready to really just ruin someone's day. And But then he, it's funny. He's a six-year-old kid, and he's small. <laughs> His parents just kind of just say, well, go away. Uh, and so, I mean, God could certainly do that, but he... Um, I mean, God isn't cruel, but uh, he will teach us lessons, and he also will punish us. Mm. We should fear his name. Mm.
0: Uh, Hearing it that way, and I appreciate that, the the divine passive there in verse 11 as it's translated, which the Septuagint makes very clear, that is the Lord who sends this cruel messenger, I think adds another layer into verses 13 and 14, which which get into the same idea of, of someone who would seek rebellion or seek a quarrel. Verses 13 and 14 again, if anyone returns evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. Uh, certainly, I think there's a very general sense in which those things are true, that when you return evil for good, you're going to find yourself in this cycle of evil, and that when you, you let strife get started, it's just going to keep happening, that that's generally true. But, Putting verse 11 into that picture, I mean, as you said, it's not just sort of like, well, it just kind of happens that way, but that there is an element of of divine providence to it. And and part of my mind is going a bit to Matthew chapter five, where Jesus talks about reconciling with your brother on the way, lest worse things happen to you that, I mean, and the divine element within that, I guess, is the, the connection I'm trying to get between 11 and then 13 and 14
1: yeah I think you're I think you're definitely on the right track there uh, we as Christians maybe that is really what the the continuity is with these passages is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We as Christians must constantly be seeking reconciliation and to not want reconciliation is from the devil and to resist reconciliation is to resist christ uh and uh when you hate your brother and you refuse to be reconciled to him, you are refusing to be reconciled to God, who has uh, reconciled the world to himself through the passion of Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So, uh, you know, if anyone returns evil for good, uh, evil will not depart from his house. The beginning of strife is laying out water... So quit before the quarrel the breaks out. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just simply, you know, stop before it gets out of control for you. But, you know, stop before God's judgment comes upon you. But I also think uh, there's a point where you can't turn back. Mm. And that's another thing, too. You know, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the, of the Spirit are against the flesh to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And what happens when you walk according to the flesh? Well, St. Paul says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So you uh, you can kill your faith by persistent sin. You can kill your faith by refusing to reconcile. And it's happened. Christians have fallen away because they despised the fruits of the Spirit and worked the uh the works of the sinful flesh Hmm. and uh there's a certain point where god is going to say well you don't have faith and the holy spirit will depart from you and i think this kind of goes back to that fear of god thing and not trusting in yourself and trusting in christ you know let let you you never lord forsake you um you know never depart from me like uh, uh we don't want god to cast us away and uh That can happen if we forsake Him. Hmm. And I think people should be well aware of that, that when you forsake the Gospel, when you forsake reconciliation and love, you're forsaking the Lord. Hmm. And uh, you cannot do good apart from the Lord. So if you depart from Him, and then He departs from you, well, there's nothing else that's going to happen but this rushing of water that He's talking about, and there's nothing, you won't be able to stop it.
0: I appreciate you bringing up the fear of the Lord. Again, that's a big theme in the book of Proverbs. And I think, it, I mean, a reminder of that really does help us to hold on to these Proverbs, not just as general sayings of wisdom, which they are. There is a very earthly sense to them. But to recognize the very seriousness of this when it comes to our faith, that the, particularly these matters of reconciliation that come up multiple times in this section that this is more than just having a, a kind, peaceful life right now. I mean, certainly it, it's better to have a peaceful life among your family, among your neighbors than it is to have one that is full of strife. But to recognize that the way that I live in terms of reconciliation or not among my neighbors here does have an influence on, on my faith and my relationship with Christ that – that lends more seriousness. I mean, these are already serious proverbs, but that lends even more seriousness to recognize that, that I don't want to destroy my faith. That's, that's a very, I mean, that's a big topic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, we shouldn't cast out St. Peter, or uh, St. James, Right. remember what he says about that. And uh, it's a very Lutheran thing. I know people will point out Luther's talk about I'll call it uh, epistle of straw and such, but Luther doesn't ever reject uh, the teaching that James teaches that faith without works is dead, uh, and he's very consistent in that throughout uh, his writings, and, that, and it's because that's a consistent teaching throughout Scripture. If faith doesn't produce fruit, then that faith is dead. Jesus says, a tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, So, uh, yeah, we have to be aware of that and uh, and and, and seek the, the fruits of the Spirit, which, you know, reconciliation and love.
0: Right. Yeah. that that reconciliation, that forgiveness among brothers. We we heard this in the the three-year lectionary not that long ago, Jesus' parable at the end of Matthew 18, the servant who refuses to forgive his brother. Jesus would have us turn to our brother who is repentant and forgive him to seek the reconciliation, which is here in, in Proverbs chapter 17. We're going to pick up more of that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, September 25th. We're studying Proverbs chapter 17, verses 7 through 24. We've got Pastor James Preuss with us. He serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in Ottumwa, Iowa. Remember that if we don't get to the proverb that you want to hear more about, you can call the listener comment line at 314-996-1542 or email kfuo at kfuo.org. Let us know what proverb you want to hear more about. I'll be putting together some short bonus podcast material with those individual proverbs that you want to hear more about in case we skip them here on air. Pastor Preuss, speaking of skipping, we we're talking about reconciliation, and we didn't address verse nine, but verse nine speaks of reconciliation very positively. I'll, I'll read it again and let you comment. Proverbs 17, nine, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. How does that speak to reconciliation?
1: Well, it's incredibly important and central to it. Uh, the goal of reconciliation is not to expose another person's sins, but to cover them. And of course, you cover it, cover it, uh, the offenses of others with the blood of Christ uh, by forgiving others uh, who you are. You, we don't have the authority or the ability to forgive outside of Christ, Jesus, and He is the one who forgave the sins of the whole world. So when you cover the offense of others, you are covering it with the blood of Jesus, and that is the ultimate form of. Of love so this verse is very important uh, talking about uh, and it connects with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18 that if your brother sins against you go and show him your fault, his fault between you and him alone so that's the whole covering an offense uh, seeking love and he says if he listens to you you have gained your brother so out of love for your brother you don't go and tell other people his offense but you talk to him first with the goal of him repenting of his sin than him, you forgiving him. And of course, the parallel to that, which is the negative part, he who repeats the matter, so that's the opposite of covering an offense, uh, separates close friends. So if instead of going and talking to your brother who has sinned against you, you go and talk to other people about his offense, well, every time you do that, you are making it more difficult for you to be reconciled with that person. So the more people you talk to in with the intent of maligning your, your brother for his sin against you, the more difficult it will be for you to work reconciliation. Now, this is also very important for Christians, and especially pastors, in working for reconciliation with others. Because sometimes it is wise, if someone has sinned against you, for you to go and to seek counsel from a Christian friend or from your pastor. Now, how should that counselor respond. Now, this is why, you know, Christian friends can be very dangerous, because they can fall into gossip, and they just, you know, have those itching ears. So if you are a Christian, you have someone who comes and uh, relays a sin that another person has committed against them to you. You should cover this sin, which means, first of all, you don't talk to anyone else about it, and your goal is to advise the person to do what Jesus says, to go and speak to that person, work toward reconciliation, and you can offer to help, offer to talk, you know, say, go talk to your pastor and things like that. And especially for pastors, this is important. Uh, one, because your parishioners aren't going to trust you. Nobody's going to trust you if you repeat matters. I mean, the confessional seal, it's not only that you should, a pastor not repeat what is confessed when someone's going for confession absolution, but also, you know, if you have, like, a, a husband uh, who is ups- who, who's upset at his wife because she's done something, and then he goes and tells his pastor and the pastor goes and tells his wife all the things that he said, well, that's a that's a bad idea. Uh you always have to ask and say, Okay, is this okay for me to talk to her about this? Right? Those are mm-hmm. good questions to ask. Uh, and that's and lay people can do that too. And if they say, No, 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 or well, let's wait about because the person might say something that they didn't wouldn't want repeated or didn't really mean. You know, you have those those passions. So someone's like you know, railing against his his uh, friend or his spouse or his brother or sister, or whatever it is. You don't need to go and, so, like, if I'm mad at my brother and I go to you and I start, you know, complaining about my brother, and then you go and tell my brother all the things I said about him, well, maybe maybe I regret saying some of those things. Mm. Maybe I didn't really mean it. Maybe I was just mad. Or maybe you could have, you know, talked me through it and, 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 and uh, addressing the matter with my brother. So Christians should be very careful with this, not to repeat offenses, uh, and also pastors should be very careful about this, that you don't want to be telling multiple people the sins of others, and you want to work toward reconciliation, which means repentance and forgiveness. Um, I want to say as quickly as possible, not to rush it, but... Meaning that is your goal, uh, because you don't want uh, gossiping to get out, you don't want character assassination to get out, because once that happens, like what the proverb says, uh, he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And it can get to the point where it's nearly impossible to work reconciliation again. Mm
0: right yeah not not as quickly as possible as if you would rush it but to recognize the priority that reconciliation is jesus mm-hmm. in matthew 5 talks about leaving your gift before the altar and going and reconciling first as if that, that matter of reconciliation is that important that you would leave your gift and go be reconciled first. St. Paul talks about not letting right. St. Paul's the one doesn't don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity. So it's not that you would rush it, but to recognize it is a, a, an urgent matter, I guess that's the way I'd put it an urgent matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, don't give don't give the flesh the opportunity to do the, what it wants to do. Uh, but I mean, this is a, this is such an important matter uh, for both pastors and for lay people to understand. Um, I mean, I think I, I would like to think that most pastors understand this. Uh, but, uh, when you have someone's confidence, that's a very precious and dangerous thing mm-hmm. and you should keep it, keep their confidence, meaning don't repeat the matter. And the only time you would repeat it is for the goal of reconciliation. Uh, so if you if you have one uh, Christian go say to you, so-and-so has done a terrible thing to me, uh, and I'm upset at him for this, you don't go and talk to the person who's been accused of the sin without the permission of the accuser. Otherwise, you know, you might have a, a very negative response that destroys reconciliation that has to be consensual that, uh, you go and talk to that person. Cause like what I said before, maybe there's passion, there's anger, all sorts of issues. Um, and, uh, and you don't want, uh, and you, you want to work toward reconciliation where everyone's working together and you don't want to destroy anyone's trust because if someone's hurting and they go to you in a vulnerable situation, uh, you don't want to be you won't, you don't want to ruin that trust and also you don't want to you don't want to damage the relationship further. Mm-hmm. so um, if someone's been accused of sin and then, uh, then you want to encourage you actually want to investigate and and find out what the truth is and things like that. so and I could talk for a long time about that but it, it is an important thing uh, for for Christians to understand I know that people usually don't talk to the pastor first you should talk to a trusted friend. Uh, But uh,
0: whoever they
1: talk to, you should make sure that you can trust the person, that they're not going to repeat a matter that you don't want them to repeat. And then if someone goes to you, you should also know you shouldn't repeat things unless you have the consent to repeat it and it's necessary to repeat for the goal of reconciliation. Uh, You're not to use things that are said to you as ammo uh, or leverage against others because that's, that's, that's not what reconciliation is about
0: yeah the way of wisdom seeks after reconciliation in the way of, of speech in the way of, of love so let's keep reading We read the rest of the text here in Proverbs 17 picking up now at verse 16 why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity One who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. Whoever loves transgression loves strife. He who makes his door high seeks destruction. A man of crooked heart does not discover good, and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. He who sires a fool gets himself sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. The wicked accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the ways of justice. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. That's the end of our text for today through Proverbs 17, verse 24. Pastor Bryce, you you pointed this out to me, and I, I don't think I would have noticed it. But the way that verse seventeen, or excuse me, verse sixteen, is translated, is a bit of a is a bit of a pun as it reads in English. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? And maybe when you're just listening on the radio, you, you catch that he has no sense. Now in, in English, it's spelled s e n s e, right? Your your sense, but sense also in English sounds like right. This is money. So take us into to verse sixteen.
1: Yeah, like and, yeah, I kind of wrote that kind of as a joke. I, I really. Maybe, maybe the translator is from making a joke. I mean, sense and sense uh, are two different things. It's kind of like a laffy-taffy thing. But uh, why should a fool have money in his hands to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Uh, the point is that you cannot buy wisdom. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, it kind of fits with, with the pun. Obviously, the Hebrew isn't going to have that pun. Um, and, uh, and, again, it could just be a coincidence. Uh, but this is very relevant today. And, and this is something that we Christians need to really be paying attention to. Um, we have—I don't know if you call it a crisis. Uh, it's an inconvenience that students go tens of thousands of dollars in debt uh, to purchase degrees without actually learning anything. Now, I'm now I'm not—I'm speaking of—you know—I'm painting with a very broad brush. I'm not saying—you know—if you went to college or university and uh, you learned a ton, and you got, you know, your money's worth, okay, good for you. But, in large, uh, there's a huge percentage who aren't actually learning anything worthwhile, and rather they're learning to hate God Mm. and to despise his word. And this goes with our public education system as a whole. That doesn't necessarily matter how much money we pump into it if, we aren't actually seeking true wisdom. And uh, to the young people who are going off to college, they have to be well aware of this, that there are those who hate God and are going to try to persuade you to hate God too. So when you are seeking wisdom, know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if whatever wisdom you acquire in college or university or whatever your studies are, That would separate you from Christ, uh, that is not wisdom, it is folly. Hmm. So uh, it doesn't matter how fancy your degree is, doesn't matter how much money you spend, it doesn't matter how much praise you get from the world, uh, it's worthless unless you have faith in Christ. And then just also, um, and this is a practical thing too, uh, you know, you can spend money, you can kind of cheat your way through. you can find the easy way into everything and, and build your credentials. But if you don't actually put the work into it, it's not going to help either. So uh, one is without faith, you cannot acquire true wisdom. And then also um, you know, money can't actually place something into your brain. You actually have to pursue
0: wisdom uh, and exercise your, your brain continuing into verse 17. Then a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. But well, there's a, there's a country song that's called, you find out who your friends are? Is that, I think that's how it goes. That the, the idea is that, that you find yeah. out who your friends are when you're in trouble, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, I think, I mean, I think it's a, it, it, it's one of those things. I mean, it's kind of, a, it's a common theme in literature and movies mm-hmm. and songs. Um, you know, you may enjoy playing cards with someone, or watching a game with someone, or or doing whatever activity you like to do. And yeah, those are important things. And having a friend, and if you're find, looking for a future spouse, I and mean, you should probably want to enjoy doing some of the same things. I and mean, you can't have completely different, uh, uh, completely different interests. But your your interests. And you you know, enjoying things at good times isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is, is actual love. And uh, those who actually will suffer with you, will help you in hard times, will help you when they don't have anything to gain from it except your love. Uh, those are very uh, important things. And uh, again, love, we love because God first loved us. So uh, sometimes, this is an example of God sends suffering to teach you that, uh, so that you learn who your true friends are, and your true friends are your fellow Christians hmm. and those who actually love you and uh, and love the Lord and are going to lead you in the right track. So, uh, children learn this, you know, and they rebel and they find out that these friends that maybe they did drugs with or maybe they did all sorts of different things, and then you know when time gets rough, you know, when the money runs out, when you uh, are hit with disease or poverty or prison or whatever it is, and then they're, those friends who got them into all this trouble are gone, and then, you look, mom and dad show up to at you between, you know, and the visitor sec, section at the prison, and they still love you. Uh, and, and those were the ones that you should have you know loved at that time. And it can go to all sorts of different things. So uh, being aware of, are these people actually going to help me when, when the time comes? and being aware of that. It, I mean, it's very practical advice, but obviously it connects well with, with the faith as well. And uh, again, just to of young people, you should have Christian friends, and you should talk about the faith with them, because that's how you're going to know in good times that these are people who are actually going to help you in bad times.
0: Mm. I, I want to I connect that verse, actually to a verse that we read on the, the first half of the program, back to verse 12. Let a man meet a she bear robbed of her cubs, rather than a fool in his folly. And I, I wanted to get to that one just because the imagery is so vivid there that Solomon gives. I mean, it's better to meet a a she, a, a mama bear who's who's been robbed of her cubs that's a better companion than a fool and his folly but but along that yeah, exactly. I think it. I mean, it's just it's just an amazing picture right um, particularly there, there's that example is it in oh, I can't remember is it in second kings where there's actually the she bear that comes and and attacks those those ones who called Elisha yeah. the I think it was yeah, yeah Elisha
1: yeah, they call it, they make fun of them for being bald.
0: Right, right. So I mean, it's just a it's just a vivid yeah. picture. But the but the larger point that, that we were getting at with verse seventeen, I think, is there in verse twelve as well. That that who you are, who your friends are, who your companions are, that's a pretty big deal.
1: Well, it's it's incredibly important, and Saint Paul talks about this. Bad company ruins good morals, and this is why. Like again, I know I'm, I don't know why I don't know why I think of this. I don't have any kids who are in college. I guess I have Christian kids who are in college now. Huh? But um, you, you college students, you know, if they're listening to this, need to be, or parents of college students, or high school students, you well, know, anyone, I guess, really need to be pay attention to this. If you're hanging out with heathen, and, and not to be like derogatory, but no, honestly, I mean, most people are heathens. Most people are not Christians. You're hanging out with people who do not confess the faith, who habitually do things that Christians ought not do you are harming your faith. And, uh, when, you, you, this is one of those things too, where, you know, I think that my, uh, non-Christian friends are worse influences on me, uh, I was a good influence on them. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say, uh, uh, a lot of the time when I was in high school, obviously I think God did use me uh, to be a good influence. I mean, I'll go ahead to God, but this is something we have to be very careful about. And, uh, I know we're not, you know, we're kind of always thought, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and all these other things. You should be kind to everyone, patient, friendly, um, judgmental But when you are spending a lot of time with people who are not going to encourage you in the faith, uh, and you're not encouraging them in the faith, then they're encouraging you away from the faith. And of course this is just kind of practical stuff too. I mean, if you hang out with someone who likes to go and steal and, uh, Commit crimes and stuff like that, and do drugs. Well, man, God help you, because mm-hmm. like it says, it'd be better for you to run into an angry bear than uh, to fall into the ways of these fools, because your life is going to be miserable, and that's not even talking about your eternal life uh, if you fall away from the faith.
0: Mm. Part of, I mean, this this connects, I think, to the conversation we had toward the beginning, where it, with verse seven that. Both what you listen to and what you speak; these are these are both very important. So, if if I am always listening to my non-Christian friends, then that's going to have an influence, and and it's going to prevent me from from being able to speak truly to them. I mean, this is uh, as you, as you said; certainly, Christians speak to non-Christians; they speak the word of God, but if if all they're ever doing is is listening to fools, those who are not Christian, then then how do they have anything within themselves to speak truth to those who hold on? I mean, how, how can you speak wisdom to a fool? And again, understanding this in terms of, of the word of God to those who do not believe it, how can you speak it if you're never hearing it? If, if you're constantly listening to that, then there, there's no way for you to, to actually give the word of God. How can you speak it if you haven't heard it first? God is always the one to initiate the conversation, we must listen, and then we speak. And and any time we try to reverse that order, we're going to mess it up.
1: Yeah. Well, and and this goes into pop culture, too. I mean, you look at the most popular songs now, the most popular shows, the movies, they're getting worse and worse and worse. And this isn't an exaggeration. And, you know, Christians shouldn't be watching these shows or movies or listening to this music. Like, I remember watching a documentary. Obviously, I was alive back then. But the... The Beatles said that they were more popular than Jesus, and uh, people got really mad, and there were people burning their albums on the street. Uh, I mean, now, right, you wouldn't have that reaction if anyone did that, and people are openly mocking and blaspheming God, and, uh, and and parents are letting their children, young children, listen to and watch music videos and shows. That are detrimental to their faith. So we, I think, we really have to be paying attention. Uh, you know, parents should pay attention to the video games and the shows and the music that their kids are listening to, and then just simply say, "No, you can't. You can't. You can't watch this. You can't play this um, because this is going to destroy your faith." Uh, I I know it sounds hard, and like people, you know, we don't want to be a counter culture but when the culture is like this, you do. Uh, you don't want to be in indec- distinguishable from the fools uh, because if you walk, you know, if you walk like a duck and you talk like about your duck, you're a duck. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the way that it works with this. If you walk and dwell with fools and you're a fool.
0: Hmm. I think we've got about five minutes left here, Pastor Preuss. And I think I'm going to take us to verse 21 because you're, you're talking about how this applies to parents raising Christians. Verse, verse 21 says, he who sires a fool gets himself sorrow and the father of a fool has no joy, which is, I mean, obviously that's the negative way of phrasing it, but, but the positive way of phrasing it is, is what, what joy a parent has to see his child grow up in the faith and stay in the faith. I mean, I think you know, as, as a pastor, how, how often have, have we heard of, of an adult member of our congregation lamenting the fact that their child has walked away from the church? What what joy there is to see that. And, and maybe maybe this verse is it, both the negative and the positive, maybe a way to, to kind of tie some of these loose ends together here as we wrap up.
1: Well, yeah, I, and I think this is a very important thing. There is no greater joy, I think, that you can have on earth than to see your children confess the faith and to demonstrate that uh, they trust in Jesus and that they're going to go to hell. And there is no greater sorrow than seeing your children deny the faith, and to have that fear that they will not go to heaven. And uh, it is—I mean, I don't want to burden people's consciences where it's not where I'm not supposed to, because there is—you know—the fact that uh, sometimes you do do all the right things, and and the children fall away. It's a very, very sad thing. It's a terrifying thing. But also there is godly wisdom here. Train a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I mean, these are promises from God that we can take comfort in. Um, you know, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall know that God's. Fo- uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul with all your mind. And these words which I command you today you shall be in your heart. On your in your heart, you shall teach them diligently to your children as you shall walk by the way, and when you sit in your house, and when you rise up, and when you lie down. Uh, and uh, you know, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but uh, but raise them in the free instruction of the Lord. Um, this scripture promises that th- this will bear fruit. And when if you are sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap to the flesh. And if you sow to the spirit, you can reap to the spirit. Your goal in life is not to retire with a multi-million dollar nest egg. Your goal in life is for your children to confess. Christ. That's the most important thing. Not for them to be all state or all national, for them to confess Christ. So skip sports on Sunday morning. Just tell the coach it's non negotiable. They're not going to go to uh, sporting events Sunday morning. Uh, have devotions with them. Bring them to church. Don't skip. Confess the faith. Talk more about Jesus than money. Uh, and, you know, practice what the Proverbs teach. Because it's the Word of the Lord that creates faith and guides you on the, on the level path. And uh, there is no greater sorrow than to have a child who walks away from the faith. And of course, these even just a physical um, example of this, too. Having a fool for a child who gets in trouble, goes to jail, embarrasses you. And not in the sense that, like, that's the greatest thing, but, like, there is something shame when you see that you... Bailed as a, as a parent um, and uh, so that's, I mean, that's definitely law but there's no greater joy than knowing that your children are going to dwell with Christ forever and that you will see it
0: mm. Pastor James Preuss is the pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Etomah, Iowa helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 17 verses 7 through 24. Pastor Preuss, thanks for being our guest today Hey, thank you There is no greater joy than to have your children confess the faith, the faith that you confess, the faith given to you by the Holy Spirit through the word that Christ crucified, risen, and ascended is your Savior. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.